What are you talking about? I'm beautiful. A modern podcast where Chris and Mike talk about TV, movies, superheroes, and everything in between. It's time for Superhero Slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this is a spoiler cast for Suicide Squad, or our squad cast, if you will. <laughs> squad cast, you just had to throw that in there, huh? I definitely can't talk right, and I accidentally called it a squad cast yesterday referring <laughs> to this, and I'm like, that's going to stick. I love it. Uh, so that's it. So just um, this is actually my second quote-unquote spoiler cast for Suicide Squad this week. Um, I was a guest member on Girl Gone Geek. Um, it's a local podcast done by my comic book store, the the DNN, one of their their pretty big shows actually. Um, the the girl who runs it, she works for Amazon, and she travels to like do training and stuff all over the world. Oh, cool! And so when she goes somewhere, she takes her stuff and actually like interviews people, like in that area that she knows. Um, really, really cool stuff. And um, yeah, so I was on that yesterday. So this is my second one. So I'm really excited to talk about it with you, Mike, because we've only talked about it a little bit in the last, our regular, you know, Superhero Slate uh, show. So, um, I don't know. Like, we're going to jump spoilers in, in this podcast, yeah. but we're going to jump right into it. So, yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk all about it. Uh, I think just kind of reiterate uh, what we thought about the movie. We're both kind of, uh, we landed at about, um, uh, I think we said four out of ten. Yeah, that, that's kind of how we're feeling. We both agreed that uh, the backlash is a little ridiculous. Uh, I think it's it's doing a little worse than probably it should. Uh, well, I guess no. The backlash would be the other direction. I, actually, I, yeah. Well, see, I think I think both sides are taking it too far. Yes, there's uh, this is a very polarized movie, as they'd say. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think it's. I don't. I mean, there are people coming out like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. This is a great movie. It's not a great movie. No. It's a below average movie, and we're going to talk about why it's a below average movie. But I also don't think it's an abomination. Um, I don't see a lot of those. You probably see more of those than I do. I don't think it's an abomination of a film. I Actually, if I'm going to rate it DC movie-wise, I would watch this one before I'd watch any of the other two DC Cinematic Universe movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I was describing this earlier in our normal uh, weekly episodes that uh, I would not use hyperbole to describe this movie, which is saying, uh, oh, this is, the, this is the best movie of the summer. No, I wouldn't say that. Or this is a uh, garbage dumpster fire. No, I wouldn't say that either. This kind of lands into uh, probably uh, what Warner Brothers doesn't want is like it's just kind of below average. You know, nothing, nothing really uh, stuck out to me in this movie. Uh, I think one thing that we are going to really dig into in this podcast is something I totally agree with that you said is the the last two thirds of this movie just are they just kind of like drag on and it just doesn't feel like it has much of a direction you know yeah so I agree I mean I would liken this a lot to Fantastic Four to be honest with you um, and and not so much in the quality but in terms of how the pacing is set out mm-hmm. so just to give a little bit we're I'm gonna talk about the story of this movie a little bit and how much I was right that the Enchantress is the villain yes um, I wanted I definitely wanted to give you props this week on that you you called that pretty early into the life cycle of the marketing 
where you were like, yeah, the Enchantress isn't popping up in any of this marketing with all these other people. I think the Enchantress is going to be the villain. And you, uh, were you happy you got your wish? <laughs> yes and no. Um, so we got the Enchantress, and we also got her brother, who, who was not mentioned in the, the film by name, but is actually the character called Incubus. Not the band, sadly <laughs> enough. Um, but she's a su- the Enchantress is a succubus, and he is an Incubus. I guess mm. that's the way this mythology works. But he kind of looks like... The destroyer armor from Thor. A little yeah, bit. that's and, that's what my wife said. She was like, "That thing looked like the thing from Thor," and I was like, "Yeah, it did." <laughs> and he's just a big, tall CGI dude who maybe had a couple lines of dialogue. He he was just all muscle and nothing else. And I feel like I don't know. I I really had high hopes for the Enchantress, but the way they did her voice as well sounded really weird. Um, yeah, and not to mention uh, that bizarre dance that she did when uh, she, uh, her brother transformed her into that second more goddess form. Yeah. I don't know what, who on set told her, go up there on that pedestal and wiggle around like you got a hula hoop on you. That was just ridiculous. I could not take anything serious when she was doing that. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah, I don't know. It's very, like, the villain parts of this are kind of actually pretty weak. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, um, it, for a movie full of villains, so to speak, I, I think mm-hmm. so. But the story is there's, um, the Enchantress has always been in Amanda Waller's pocket, apparently for a very long time, and she wants to break free because she doesn't like being controlled because Amanda Waller has her heart. Mm-hmm. There's some metaphor in there, I'm sure, about having the Enchantress's heart, but... So she gets away, opens up her brother. It seemed a very convenient time to have her do that, even though she's yeah. always been there. Yeah, and it seemed like she could do that at any point in time, and we just happened to do it now. Yeah, and then – so when she does that, her brother gives her power so she doesn't need her heart. And he's there, and they're building this machine, which is another big machine to a portal in the sky. Yeah, portal in the we sky were, I thought we moved beyond pretty- this. <laughs> Um, and so the city's evacuated and is closed down, and then the squad is sent in to extract a target. Actually, not take down the Enchantress. They're sent in to extract a high-value target, which turns out to be Amanda Waller in the middle of the movie. And I'm like... Yeah, which was kind of uh, sad, because I was expecting like some sort of maybe reveal. You know, uh-huh. uh, like, we, we'll we talk about it a little bit earlier, but we got a little bit of a reveal of a Justice League hero at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, which was unexpected. Uh, so I was like, oh, who's going to be this person behind the door? They're kind of building this up. And then the scene cuts <laughs> to just uh, Rick Flagg just having a conversation with Amanda Waller. I almost thought we jumped scenes or, like, we had a flashback or something. Yeah. So, so I was like, what? Oh, it's just her? Like, what the fuck? Why? I don't understand. And then. Why didn't she, she kinda, leave the city? Yeah, and then she just kind of walks out of the room like, oh, not not a big deal, nothing's happening, and they were kind of mad, but not really, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, it, okay, so that's a little, the story's pretty straightforward, actually, I, I get the story. Um, the, the, the plot line is great, however, there are some nuances throughout that you know, don't make sense. So whenever Amanda Waller, um, her plane gets shot down, or her helicopter gets shot down, and she gets abducted by the Enchantress... Um, so she can learn her military secrets. Uh, um, the squad has to go save her and kill the Enchantress. That's the story of this movie. I don't think it, it's pretty straightforward, actually. I mean, it's kind of like a Black Hawk down full of antiheroes, uh, if you will. I don't know. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate the, the overall story, but how they presented it to us is where my problems come in at. 
Yeah, so I think the the best thing to do is kind of start here at the um, beginning of the movie. Yes, the first third is fantastic. The hyper visuals, the stylization, these little vignettes of all the characters, mm. how they got caught, their powers. Uh, I don't know if I would go as far as fantastic. I think maybe um, in comparison to the rest it, of the movie. <laughs> it is the best part of the movie. Let me let me clarify. It is the best part of the movie. However, it leans a little heavily to the Deadpool side of things. Like, well, so, it feels like they're going out like wacky as in Deadpool, but like it doesn't do much other than just serve as vignettes. I mean, I was very conflicted with the beginning of this movie. So um, w- one thing that I really liked about the beginning was it had kind of a very kind of like Scott Pilgrim-y feel at the beginning. You know, when we got the uh, villains show up, they got their own little title card in the movie. They got their own little descriptions. We had like these fun sound effects when things would happen. And I was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. They're going for kind of like this hyper-visualized like contextual uh, stuff on the screen. I was like, this is be interesting. I was kind of hoping that they would double down on that, just carry that through the whole movie. Nope, that's just at the very beginning. We don't get any more of that. So all that kind of cool stuff is at the beginning. Yep. It's but like a, it was but it was yeah, laid ahead. over it was laid over the top of this very bizarre and very lazy way to introduce the characters of this movie. And it, it was basically Amanda Waller goes to dinner and flips through her binder, points at a picture, and we get fifteen minutes of the most important characters five minutes of the mediocre characters and then later we get like two seconds of slipknot which i just think is just funny the way that is all dispatched later later on Mm -hmm. a couple minutes into the into that scene but yeah it was just like it was just lazy i mean it was just all we got from these characters were flashbacks and just like feeding them in a prison uh and and popular music over over obnoxiously loud popular music tracks that had nothing else to do with the movie yeah, and it's I don't like someone was trying to make a music video for each yeah. song that was playing. Yeah, and hopefully this doesn't seem like too frenetic. Hopefully it doesn't seem like we're jumping around too much. But since you just brought up the music, I thought it was like the worst decision ever to put a song in this movie that was straight from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Spirit in the Sky? Spirit in the Sky. Yeah, so I'm not – Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't no. own that song. You know, they Time, didn't invent my, it. It was not actually in the movie. It was only in the trailers. But no, um, but Spirit like in the why sky is only in the on the only in the Guardians trailers. Yeah, but I don't understand why anyone would dr- why anybody would want to draw that comparison over at Warner Brothers. Like, oh, no, I agree. I agree. I, this is very much if I was if Deadpool and Guardians of the Galaxy had a baby, but that baby like wasn't very smart. This is what that would be <laughs> because it's just like I'm in this movie, and then it's just like, oh, okay, you want me to now start associating this movie with, with one of the literally one of the best Marvel movies over there and it's de- they definitely did better at the band of misfits than this did so i thought that was a really bad choice but that that was just my my quick uh my quick movement over there mm-hmm. into music but yeah back to the beginning of this movie i thought what a poor way to introduce these characters of just uh doing these uh lazy flashbacks and then oh well, don't worry we'll make it entertaining because we're gonna throw batman in there so i thought that was a little ridiculous well so Batman felt shoehorned into a lot of this. Um, oh, yeah. Like, he was like an afterthought because we, Batman's popular. But I will say the better cameo was The Flash because I think even though as small as he was in the screen, it felt natural. And he looked kind of cool catching Captain Boomerang. Yeah, um, and it, that kind of fits with uh, since, you know, he is a kind of a Flash uh, villain that makes that does make kind of sense. Uh, so I, that was a that was a welcoming cameo. I wasn't expecting yeah. to see the Flash in there. You know, we didn't really get any of him. 
uh, in a Justice League outside of a QuickTime file. But I just I just don't understand why Warner Brothers can't figure out how to introduce characters in a movie. It's either in a, an email attachment or it's just in a lazy put together flashback. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though the beginning of the movie did kind of get the ball rolling, you know, we didn't have any sort of um, we didn't have any sort of like wait to get into it. I I just I just thought that that was really lazy. So yeah, but it's the it's the better part of the movie. So this movie started off like being fired out of a shotgun, really mm-hmm. quick and really messy. But I was like, okay, they're gonna keep this momentum up until the end. But you're right, it's like a parachute launched like on, on like a drag car, mm-hmm. and it just stopped the movie as soon as they landed in the city, and the actual story started moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just once they got in the city, it just dragged out. Like okay, they're fighting little like multi-eyed black headed creatures in the city and a lot of characters got a lot of spotlight in here but i didn't care for any of them except for diablo diablo is the breakout character in my opinion um if we're yeah he, about... yeah he had a he had a little bit more i guess i would say an arc, an arc. if you will yeah. he kind of he kind of uh through flashbacks he, he was a bad guy and then he was kind of a, a guy trying to seek redemption and then when he got into the squad he he redeemed himself in a way um yeah he was he was a little bit more of an interesting character um i thought at least a dead shot was charismatic uh mm-hmm. but i think that comes down to just the fact that it's will smith you have this all-star actor in your movie uh didn't you're, really you're gonna break him out Deadshot really oh yeah change i'm not the saying movie, he had, in, i'm not yeah. saying he had an arc he was just charismatic <laughs> he was and, and in the same way with harley quinn um her neuroticism was well done i enjoyed her of course, her and Will Smith had the biggest, you know, sc- amount of screen time uh-huh. there. Um, uh, another character who um, kind of got the shaft. I think Captain Boomerang got the shaft, and Katana got the shaft in oh, terms yeah. of screen time and and how cool they were. She had a sword that captured the souls of her enemies, but she never used it. No, and Katana almost seemed like a joke. Like, uh, whenever Katana was on the screen, um, they would always undercut anything that she said or did with a joke. They would be like, they would cut to her flashback and be like, um, they would say like, oh, you better be scared of her. That's a dangerous sword she's got there. And then Harley Quinn undercut undercut her by uh, saying like, oh, like something like, is that cologne from the smell of dead something? I don't know. I don't remember. It was so weird. Uh, but yeah, Katana never really got to be a, a serious character even for a second. Like she was always kind of either she was always like bending over like in a corner, like Smeagol, like talking to her sword, like talking to her dead husband. It was mm-hmm. just so weird. It's like she was a joke. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely got these. Captain Boomerang did have a couple funny parts, but like I wanted to see more of him. I think I hate Jay Courtney, Jay Courtney. How you I hate him. Uh, like something about his face just makes me want to punch it. I always say this, <laughs> but like I would have loved to see him take this role and just be crazy with it. Like actually be the true wild card um, throughout. Yeah, um, it was, it was kind of weird though, seeing uh, this, uh, this movie where all these characters kind of, for the most part have um, sensible uh, weapons. I would say, even though Harley Qu- Quinn was kind of uh, useless most of the time, 
she at least kind of knew some hand-to-hand combat and had a bat. It was just kind of bizarre seeing a boomerang get thrown around, you know? It's hard to take it seriously. You know, Captain Boomerang is a character that kind of, even the CW was like, let's kind of uh, get him off of this, uh, out of one show. He's not going to be anything that's reoccurring over here. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to take a boomerang seriously, especially since, oh, the villain from Australia, give him a boomerang. The Asian girl, make her a samurai, give her a sword, you know? So it it seemed pretty stereotypical there, but he was... And Rick Flagg with his American Southern draw. Yeah. It's just it's like how America. Yeah, like how more on the nose can you put all this? Um, so it was kind of hard to get get on board with the boomerang, but I liked his character. So it, I, I think the point I, I'm getting at when I bring this up is I liked the movie when the characters were fun and enjoyable. Like so, those moments uh, didn't come very often. I felt like, mm-hmm. or if they did, they weren't that good. Sometimes there were a lot of highlight shots. Like you know, every every character got a, a scene to shine in. So mm-hmm. to speak, with with another character, and and that was it. But I mean, overall, um, Killer Croc, uh, the other one we haven't talked about yet. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he was okay as well. I think he did great um, with kind of what he was given. Like he had like he didn't care that he looked like a crocodile. He was like, I I don't care. Like I know what I am, and I'm just gonna go with it. And and I, I enjoyed him. Yeah, but we didn't really the- get we didn't really get much backstory from him because I felt like as you move down the line, you just get less and less from the mm-hmm. characters so it's kind of like you just kind of can really focus you can really pinpoint where where uh david Ayer wanted to concentrate on so it never felt like it never felt like a true a true ensemble movie where kind of everybody was lifted yes but the last character that we really haven't talked about here yet is the one that probably a lot of people are going to be talking about and that's the joker yeah that that's a that's a big uh point of uh contention i think with this movie um it's a glorified cameo uh, he did nothing to like you keep his flashbacks with Harley showing how she became Harley Quinn and you keep the scene at the end where he breaks her out of prison but everything else in between had no effect on the movie as a whole yeah exactly and that's pretty much uh, uh, repeating uh, you know what my wife said to me too she said the same thing like if you take Joker out of this movie it changes absolutely nothing uh, and we were crossing our fingers and we had these theories that yep. he was going to be the villain. Like uh, the tattooed man showed up in one of those flashbacks. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, this is where he's going to, he's going to hire the tattoo man. He, this is, this is going to mess some, this is going to mess some shit up. You know, the Joker's really uh, uh, coming to task here. Uh, nope. He's just shoots him in the head for yep. playing these weird uh, games with his, with his brain. Like the Joker, I don't know. So I felt like under the right hands, Jared Leto could have been an amazing Joker. You know, he's coming off the he's coming off the the coattails of uh, Heath Ledger, who who played one of the best Jokers we've ever seen. Uh, obviously, we're not going to get the exact same interpretation, and no one can expect that. I I enjoyed his interpretation for the most part, but I felt like it, he was just never wrangled in. He we never got to see the mastermind that the Joker is supposed to be. The Joker is always supposed to be the guy who's a step ahead of everybody, and since he's a step ahead of everyone, he has the luxury of being ridiculous and being um, uh, just out of bounds, which kind of makes it an even playing field. And I felt like we never really got that. He was just kind of running around like, no, I'm just looking for Harley. You know, I don't really care what the Enchantress is doing over there. I felt like a, a real Joker would have tried to get in that same room with Enchantress and try to um, uh, raise the stakes, you know. We never really got that. Uh, so I felt like I felt like Jared Leto really 
could have been something amazing. So since... I don't think I don't think it's his fault. I think it's the story's fault and the dire- and the director's fault by the end of the, mm-hmm. the film. I can't wait because this is the first time we've seen a pretty Joker. He's not scarred in the face. Like mm-hmm. he's supposed to be a, a sexy Joker, if you will, um, a very hot topic Joker. Uh, if you look at him, because if you go back to Nicholson was the gangster, uh, Jer- uh, Heath Ledger was the anarchist, and then this one is the. I think he's truly a psychopath in this movie. Yeah, and uh, I, that, I think that makes sense though to kind of quote yeah. unquote make him the pretty boy because if you're going to introduce kind of this uh, love story, I think it makes it a little bit more believable. I don't think I could have believed uh, anybody would fall in love with uh, Heath Ledger's Joker just because you know they kind of made him look like a monster, which worked well for the film. So if you're going to bring kind of like a love story component. Uh, I think it makes sense to make him a little bit mm-hmm. younger. Yeah, but I mean, again, he was truly, I think this version is truly a psychopath. I had no idea what he was going to do mm-hmm. anytime he was on screen. And I think that was a little, like, there was there were glimpses of the, of the Joker playing the long game, mm-hmm. but he never did. And I always imagine the Joker playing the long game, like... Or, or what he's going to do to get Batman. Um, you know, that's that's really all the Joker lives for, is to be the antithesis, antithesis, I don't know how to say that word right now, of <laughs> Batman and just cause, you know, chaos, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. And he didn't really do a, a lot of either of those. Um, yeah, and this was the very first time we ever got to see the Joker, and I felt like this was a, a poor way to do it. I feel like there's a lot you have to unpack with um, with a Joker that's been around for the while with Batman. You know, apparently a lot has happened between him and the and the Cape Crusader, and we don't really get a glimpse at any of that. And obviously, it makes sense that you don't want to see that in a Suicide Squad movie. But the whole time, I'm just like, I just want to know more. What's going on with the Joker here? And we don't really get any of that. Um, How did so he get I- to be so damaged, if you will? Yeah, and like, that's one thing that never happened. I wanted those stupid fucking tattoos explained, and I don't understand whose decision it was. I okay, I'm not. I can't go. I can't do this again. <laughs> Talk about that stupid tattoo every time we bring this up. So I'm, I'm just gonna have to bury well, either it. Either way, what we say about the Joker is Joker's a glorified cameo who doesn't affect the film as a whole. He's just in there to to have the Joker in the movie. Is what what mm-hmm. it boils down to. Put him on the poster. Yeah. Um. So. Other than that, that's the characters, the story. Um, you know, again, I think Diablo was my favorite character. Um, uh, because I think his arc, and I think he, what he transformed into at the end had more meaning than they explained. Like, he transformed like some sort of Aztecian fire god. Um, and I thought that he was going to, like, fight these other, like, you know, godlike beings in that uh-huh. form. And, like, take them down. But it kind of just was relegated to nothing and then he was kind of offed and I, I was sad yeah it, it was, he was like it, my favorite character it was it was fun and unex- i think it was fun because it was unexpected you know yeah. i don't know i don't know a whole lot about um diablo in the suicide squad lore so i definitely wasn't expecting him to transform into kind of like a beast so i was like oh this is this is really cool i'm really digging this so that kind of made the the third act of the film a little bit more enjoyable oh. But um, uh, while we're still on this uh, topic of characters, I wanted to bring up Amanda Waller mainly for a specific oh, moment yeah. in the film that I think really kind of undercut her character and just kind of ruined. I thought a, a someone that was uh, doing service to her her uh, her character from what I've seen, like so she's supposed to be a badass that's uh, that puts basically her job above all else, her duty. And I thought she was doing a she was doing a relatively good job. She was she was a badass. She was kind of uh, heartless, but it always kind of felt like she was doing it for the greater good. She you know she was 
trying to do her job. She's a patriot through and through. Yeah, but there was just this bizarre moment that happens in that scene where they rescue her from that tower in the city where she just straight up murders people that are there working with her in front of those computers. Like, she just gets out a pistol and she just shoots them cold blood. And she was like, they didn't have the clearance for this. There's nothing we could have done. And then Rick Flagg just kind of brushes it off like, oh, no, I get it. I was just like, what is going – like, she just murdered people. She's not the good guy anymore. Like, <laughs> she, she's I'm, a quote-unquote mean lady because yeah, she killed five people. Yeah, exactly. It's like I get, you know, the shades of gray for characters as that play in this movie really hardcore. And you could say like, oh, isn't it great that the bad guys become good and Amanda Waller, the good guy, comes bad? It's like, no, that's ruthless. She just murdered, like, these people in cold blood that they're just trying to do their job. She just, really become the bad guy at the end. They're like, oh, she's still got the head blower up thinger. Let's, yeah. let's not take her down and do the actual good thing. Yeah, so that was just, that really took me out of the movie for that moment. And I was like, wow, way to undercut what she's been trying to do uh, just by, that That even didn't that didn't even really need to happen either. Like, I don't think that really attributed uh, to her character in a, in a good way. So that's one thing uh, yeah. that really stuck out to me that I, I really harped on when I got out of the movie. Yeah, and, and speaking of Amanda Waller, she has a scene with Bruce Wayne at the end. And that mm-hmm. scene is exactly the same fucking scene as iron man 2 or uh, <laughs> the incredible hulk when tony stark goes to general ross and he's like i'm putting together a team to take down all these big threats uh-huh. kind of thing it's the same thing it's just at that restaurant and yeah he, he flips through the book to show him all the things he's already seen on those QuickTime files it's just like this it's just this weird thing with warner brothers in general and then I, i'm just gonna have to talk about this and it, you know if people want to call me a marvel fanboy they can do it i don't really care so warner brothers has this uphill battle to fight because they they got into the game late it took them a while to get their franchise together which doesn't make any sense because they had the rights all along and uh, marvel got a head start and not only did they get a head start they got a head start with amazing films so warner brothers decides hey you know everything doesn't have to be done the same we're gonna do things different you know we're, we're gonna start off our second movie is gonna be a team-up movie we're gonna our universe is gonna feel darker we're gonna do things differently but guess what they end up turning their backs on all of that different and they're trying to do the stuff that marvel is doing now they're trying to get their team they're trying to get their team-up movies going as fast as possible so we're not going to introduce anything you know we're gonna get we're gonna cram as many of characters as we can to the suicide squad movie uh, and we're just gonna rush to introduce them uh, um we're we're gonna we're gonna introduce we're gonna introduce Slipknot and we're gonna give him all of this marketing promotions. Like, be, I just think it's hilarious that someone out there could have a Slipknot poster in their in their um in their in their bedroom. I don't know if there's any diehard uh, Slipknot fans out there, but I just think it's hilarious that like, oh yeah, and this is Slipknot. Ten minutes later, let's blow his head off. I just thought that was really funny, but I I just didn't want to let that slide that we <laughs> that I didn't talk about that part of the movie, but. I just feel like Warner Brothers, I, like, what are you doing? Are you trying to catch up or are you trying to do something different? And it feels like Suicide Squad technically I think was the last movie under that old uh, rank and file at Warner Brothers, right? Because they didn't start shaking things up. They didn't start shaking things up until this summer. And this movie was pretty much already filmed and scheduled reshoots and everything uh, before this new rank and file happened. So 
I, it's just frustrating because for the longest time we were just like, okay, Batman and Superman wasn't good. Let's hope Suicide, Suicide Squad comes comes along and changes our mind and gives us a little bit more hope. And I guess on the technical side of things, it did improve, uh, but I don't really know if there's much hope there. So now I have to wait again. Now I'm thinking, okay, I'm waiting for Wonder Woman. Those trailers look pretty sick. This looks like it might be a really good movie. Uh, you know, it's outside of, uh, you know, Zack Snyder's hands, even though Suicide Squad technically was too. You know, we got new executives over there, a new direction. Uh, it's far enough away from Batman and versus Superman to where it can try to stand on its own. So now I have to cross my fingers and hope Wonder Woman's going to achieve something decent. And it's so, just it's it's just really frustrating, you know? So it, it's, I don't hate that it's DC. I hate that they made a bad movie. I, mm-hmm. I don't... Like, the editing is, is poor again. There's a lot of unconnected things that just kind of happen magically. It, it's much more well put together than Batman v Superman was, but it's still not something that fans or moviegoers alike deserve. Um, it, it it has nothing it has nothing to do with the characters. Like I felt like if we if we were in an alternate universe where Disney got the rights to uh, to the to the DC line and Warner Brothers got the rights to the Marvel lines, it, they would have fucked up because it, it's not it's not it doesn't have to do with the the care with the characters themselves. It doesn't have to do with oh well I wish um, these DC characters had the same superpowers as the Marvel characters because be easier to make the movies. You know that's not the case. It's just like there's better decisions and being made over at Marvel and there's worse decisions being made over at Warner Brothers. Like that I that's that's just what it comes down to. They they're just they're just not achieving what Marvel's achieving. Mm. And it's 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 it just gets more and more obvious. They this is their third movie now and they're nowhere near where Marvel is when they were at their third movie, you know? So it's just it, like even then their third movie was Iron Man two and it's not the best Marvel movie, but nobody vehemently hates it or you know detests it or starts petitions to shut down rotten tomatoes because of it yeah yeah exactly and i and i think this is just what's always going to bring up the the controversy and the discussion it's just like it's just like you like you don't often have two things on opposite ends of the fence uh fighting each other that are so similar you know dc and marvel uh, are both uh, comic are, are both comic book companies that make comic books about superheroes. You know they they've been battling each other for a, way longer than these movies ever have been. But even they at times have come together and dove, done crossover comics. And you know people just like reading comic books, so they'll just buy whatever's fun. Uh, I think you'll find a lot fewer people out there that are so um, polarized on DC versus Marvel comic books than you'll find when it comes to these movies. Um, so, yeah, it's just, like, you're always going to com- be comparing the two studios. You're always going to be comparing the DC and Marvel movies. There's no way around it, which is un- which is unfortunate. But I don't know. Sometimes I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, but, again, I, I, we, I, I try not to compare them. Like, I hate to do it because by its own Suicide Squad, you know, compared to movies in general, just, yeah, it's got some moments, but it's not got a whole thing. Um, and, and that's why I'm, I, I'm like, I just can't recommend this to people to see it in theaters. And I don't know, the box office numbers say good things, but it's, it's losing legs already on the first weekend. So yeah. we're going to have to see where this goes. And they kind of set up for a sequel, but there's no sequel on the DC cinematic schedule. And I know they can change it, but like, why would they set it up for a sequel, but then not announce the sequel like the day of or at the end of the movie? Like yeah, Guardians exactly. did. Guardians announced the sequel the day the movie came out. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, that's how everyone finally figured it out. So I'm kind of like, what, what's the future of these characters? Are we going to see more of them? Are we not going to see more of them? Is this it? Mm-hmm. Are they one and done? Like, 
I don't know. Yeah, and and I think a lot of uh, a lot of the conversation comes from the fact that if you get a bad Suicide Squad comic, you know, there's a chance that maybe after five issues the writer could change. Maybe after ten issues the 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 artist could change. You know, there's you know there's a good chance in a year you could be getting more good Suicide Squad storylines in your comic book. You know, it, the damage isn't you know isn't so permanent or so long lasting. But when you look at it this way, there could there could be like a really diehard Suicide Squad fan out there before this movie ever came out. They've just loved the comics. They've loved all of these villains, these anti-heroes. They just can't get enough of this this squad. And then the movie comes out and it just doesn't live up to their love and fandom for these characters, but they realize I might not ever see a Suicide Squad movie again, or if I do, it could be a long-ass time before anyone ever gets it right, so maybe now I need to defend it so people understand that I like it. So I think, you know, I think the stakes are sometimes higher with movies, because a lot more money goes into them, and if shit's not done right, it might be a long time till your hopes are ever answered, so sometimes I think you gotta latch on to what you have, and that causes trouble, too. Yeah, and don't blame the critics. <laughs> yeah, um, don't blame... There are people, so- too. The last thing I want to say, and this is back to Wonder Woman because I, I didn't get it, get it in there. The director of Wonder Woman says that this movie was great and amazing, and she loved it. Doesn't give me any hope for Wonder Woman. So, um, well, I think uh, again, she could have been she could have been paid to say that, and they had a gun to her head. But I mean, technically, the people that made Suicide Squad is that is the director's coworkers, and you don't bash your coworkers out in the public light. So, well, you don't, don't have to bash it. You could just be like. It, it's a movie. Yep, yeah, it's definitely a movie. So, <laughs> I think they're I contractually obligated to only say positive things about uh, Warner Brothers movies. Uh, but yeah, I never take. I never. I take. I don't take that with a grain of salt. I take that with like a, a giant um, uh, twenty-five pound bag of like rock salt. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, anything else you want to add, Mike? I think I think we've kind of hit all the points I, here. Yeah, I, I guess just you know just to review, uh, I was I was disappointed, but I could say I was at least slightly entertained i wouldn't say not don't see this movie you know if you can get maybe a cheaper matinee ticket maybe go give it a shot Uh, i think i could echo what you said maybe wait until it's released digitally to check it out um uh, i've i also have a feeling that there's probably going to be an extended cut you know i felt like sometimes i could really feel those reshoots I, i could feel where the jokes were added in sometimes in the film which was hard to look over but I don't know. Warner Brothers might get me again with this this extended release. I might have to see if it gets any better that time around. But this movie didn't make me mad. Batman Superman made me mad. This movie was a slight bit of an improvement. So as long as we can keep this trend going, you know, as long as the movies get better. So I guess I can hold on to hope that they're getting better. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with I'm offended, Mike. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. But, okay. But, but... Um, it's one of those, like, I, I'm offended cause I'm not going to go watch it again, but at the same time, it's like, I didn't hate it as much as Batman v Superman. I'm not, uh, eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm offended for people who wanted a good movie and didn't get one. Like, uh-huh. I, I feel, I feel bad for those people because this deserved a good movie and they kind of, I don't know whether it be studio intervention, a, a rush timeline, whatever the newspaper articles may say is the excuse it deserved a a better film, um, and we we all did. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I'm offended. Not not because <laughs> it, it personally offended me. I'm offended for everyone else out there who deserved a better movie. So well, yep, I think that's I think that's a wrap on Suicide Squad, and I it's 
technically a wrap on the last um, superhero movie of the summer. Uh, we uh, yep. this this was a pretty crazy summer. Uh, we we have a plan to do kind of a summer movie review where we're going to talk about kind of the summer in general and some of the movies that we missed. Uh, maybe you saw something. Maybe I saw something you didn't see. So we're gonna we're gonna mix that up towards the end of the summer and talk about those things. But I think the next superhero movie and I think the last superhero movie of the year is going to be Doctor Strange in November, right? Yeah, and I don't know. Sometimes I, I include Star Wars in this, so we also have Rogue One. Yeah, um, but I guess that's just technically spoiler cast and not superhero movies. But I don't know. Star Wars is is, is gray territory sometimes. Um, but yes, so that's that's what we got. We just have Doctor Strange and that, and that's November. So we've got a couple couple uh, months here. However, TV shows are starting back up in September. We have Luke Cage to look forward to as well. Uh huh. And um, so I think we'll have some time to kill there, but it's definitely um, not it's the highest a- note to, in the summer. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is which is unfortunate, but honestly, that kind of happens. Some of uh, the movies that you might not be too sure of usually get pushed off to August. So yeah. uh, that's another spoiler cap under our belt, under our caps. Yes, I, the squad I don't know what cast. Th- I, don't, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the uh, the the uh, the synonym for that is. But anyway, uh, Chris. Usually, uh, you're the first person to ask oh. me where people can follow me, but I'm mixing it up. I'm getting a little crazy. If if they wanna if they wanna find you, if they wanna find your written review of this movie, uh, where can they reach out and check that stuff out? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Valdan V A L D A N. Uh, I put stuff there occasionally, like mostly. I put my pop pictures up there. I, I like my pop vinyls, and then um, uh, you can find my written review at comicui.com. I have been writing it in my head, and I just haven't had time to sit down and actually do it. So. You know, that's my fault, um, but oh well. It'll be up there probably tomorrow, hopefully, knock on wood, as soon as I get these two shows edited. Uh, what about you, Mike, if people want to know what you're up to and all those things that you're doing and, and comics and what whatever it is Mike does? <laughs> so eloquently spoken. Well, you can follow De- Definitely, me. Mike, definitely. Definitely, 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 wholeheartedly. You can follow me at uh, Mike Royer Design on Twitter and Instagram, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. And I want to, I want to see, I want to see Chris uh, read these uh, last oh. bits, bits of uh, bits of fun. Usually, I'm the one that's hitting these, and I'm not saying I'm trying to change the formula, but sometimes it's fun to mix it up a bit. Oh man, we just watched a movie that tried to not change the formula, Mike. So let's do it. <laughs> As always, please visit SuperheroSlate.com. That's where you can find all our episodes, including show notes. You can also find us on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Tumblr. You can subscribe to us via email and get us straight to your inbox. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-the-date stuff. Sometimes not just our episodes, but stuff we find interesting, like the upcoming Rogue One trailer we'll probably share this week. And, um, you know, if you want to be a super fan... You can share the show with a friend. That's really all we want to do. Just have more people listen to us and and you know give us tell us how wrong we are on the spoiler cast. That's that's what I look forward to every week. So, Mike, did I hit all the all the notes there? Well, Chris, I'd give that a solid four out of ten. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, later. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Just make more noises.